Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, we get to talk about everything in between. However you're listening, wherever you're watching, you know exactly what to do. I need a five-star review. I need a like and a subscribe. I need you to go to the YouTube page and watch me and my beautiful mustache, along with my incredible guest today, who is Zach Doctor, co-founder, CEO of WagerWire. Zach, how you doing today, man? Doing great, doing great. Yeah, really appreciate you having me on and kind of welcoming me into your uh, community you've been building here. Hey, man, it's been a lot of fun. I want to say you're episode 318, 319, so there's a lot of cool people. So if anyone I've had on the show previously, I usually do this after the show, but who cares? Anybody I've had on the show previously, you want to talk to them? Let me know, man. I'm your guy. I like connecting people. I'm a connector. Very what cool. can I say? That's what we do. Appreciate that. Very cool. Got you, man. Yeah. Got you. But as I said, co-founder, CEO of WagerWire, Zach, I'm very excited to talk about this product. As we were saying, I've been in the betting space for a couple years now. You've been in there for a little while as well. Now you're out in sunny Los Angeles, so things might be a little different out there. But we're doing things. We're moving and shaking in the sports industry. This is my favorite. These are my favorite conversations to have. But Zach, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Man, yeah, great question. You know, I, uh, I mean, I think like a lot of people, you know, I started loving sports as a kid. I was playing soccer, playing baseball, playing basketball, eventually, and you know, playing some football in high school. You know, ultimately, it's that competition, but it's also the en- the entertainment of it. You know, I just think it's like a, sports are a really great narrative. You've got, you know, the start of you got the start, middle, and finish. You got the dramatic overtime games. You've got just this great entertainment vehicle, really. At the end of the day. Um, and, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, even though I am in L.A. now, like, you know, kind of hence the uh, Kaepernick jersey up there behind me. And I think the time I grew up was a good heyday of sports in, in the Bay Area. You know, we had kind of the tail end of the Steve Young, Jerry Rice era with 49ers going on. Um, and then the Giants had Barry Bonds. Like, I remember going to, you know, Pac Bell Park back then when it was first getting minted and we were, uh, you know, seeing splash hits and everything. So, really just from a from a young age been passionate about sports um and then that's transition you know as i get older now and like you know i'm looking at it as my career now uh it's just been more interesting from like diving into the business side of it all too so it's definitely been kind of like an evolution of my journey with with sports for sure yeah don't forget about that even year bullshit with the giants for a couple of years as well i'm a mets fan so i'm still a little salty about 2017 connor who who the hell is that guy and why is he on the field but anyway we don't need to divulge too much into that. Um, yeah, I'm excited, man. And I think, like, right, sports is such a great narrative for business as well, as you said. Like, you have the entertainment narrative, but you have that competition. Where does that competition come from you? Why was sports this next ground, this next piece that of business that you wanted to conquer? Yeah, I mean, it definitely played into it. I mean, I, you know, I am a little bit of a competitive guy. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, necessarily, you know, the most competitive person in the world, but... Um, you know, I've, I've also had this in kind of my background too. Like I actually had entrepreneurship through a bicycle tire company as, as a kid that got me kind of into the business side of, of sports where, uh, when I was just 12 years old and my older brother was 14, we started selling bike tires on eBay of all places. Uh, you know, my dad was in a bicycle group in the Bay area and they had a big shipment of tires that they would order from Europe. And one year it came in the wrong color and they didn't want to put them on their bikes. So we just sold them on eBay we doubled our money and all of a sudden, you know, we had this kind of like, you know, light bulb moment where, Hey, we should just be ordering boxes from of tires over here and then selling them. And so that kind of got me into like the business side and sports and all this with like the passion for that. 
Um, and that grew and, you know, and that, and that actually grew into a company that like my family still runs today, uh, biketiresdirect.com and westernbikeworks.com. Um, it was really just like a, a crazy journey to be on as, as a, you know, teenager too. We would have pallets of tires getting delivered to our house and filling up our driveway with, uh, with boxes and, and, uh, you know, we would pack orders before school and go to the post office to drop them off, you know, at 730 in the morning on our way to school. Um, so I've just kind of had this like mix of sports and business and everything uh, kind of from a very young age. And then I've just wanted to get back into it, you know, uh, ever since, really. And this has just been the perfect opportunity. You know, I am also a, uh, a sports better myself, just, you know, out of being a fan and watching the games and so this uh, this uh, this opportunity to kind of get into the industry from the sports betting side of things uh, has really been kind of a dream come true and, and a perfect opportunity. That is awesome, man. What a great story. You and your brother that young making a couple bucks. I mean, we've all sold something on eBay, right? I don't know. Do people still use eBay anymore? I honestly have no idea if that's like, it's not what it used to be, but I used to sell like headphones right. on eBay. I used to sell all that shit and it was awesome, man. It was so cool. Then, yeah. you're, then you're actually paying attention to margins. You're like, well, if I sell it for 30 bucks, but it takes an extra $10 to ship it, then it, that, does this really make sense? Like, how does the math work here? So it's always, it was always cool. Exactly. And yeah, at a super young age, it sounds like you and your brother were able to take advantage of that. Shout out to your dad uh, and his bike, yeah, his bike sure. gang, uh, not wanting the wrong color tires to each his own. But clearly it led, uh, it led you guys down a good path. So I'm, uh, I'm happy yeah. to hear it, man. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, a, it was a, a wild experience, really. I mean, um, you know, it was to the point where we'd literally have the 1-800 number, like, forwarding to our cell phones, and we'd have to oh, hop shit, out of class. that's awesome. And we'd have to hop out of class to do customer service calls and, and things like that. And then by the time it got to kind of my high school years, uh, it was, like, too big for us to, to be doing on our own anymore. Mm-hmm. And we started bringing employees in and got a whole warehouse and set up the websites and everything. So, uh, yeah, really just you know, got me that entrepreneurial spirit of seeing something go from zero to, to one and just every step along the way, obviously a very different business than I'm working on now. You know, that's kind of a wholesale, you know, buying tires, wholesale, selling them retail kind of business. Um, and now I'm working on a tech startup, but it, it definitely inspired me to, to get back into this. That is sweet, man. I'm happy to hear. It. And as you said, like, it's, how, how cool is it that you get to work in sports now? It's most people, most people that I talk to, at least, it's their number one passion, right? It's, it's the team that they root for. It's their fantasy football team. It's all of these things. And sports betting specifically has given so many people an opportunity to start working in sports, right? Before, if, are you going to be an agent or are you going to sell tickets? Which do you want mm-hmm. to do, Zach? Well, sorry, man. I don't want to do either of those because you're not going to make any money, uh, you know, selling tickets. You're going to get burnt out. And if you don't, if you're not like, as you're not cut out to be a sports agent, you're not cut out to be a sports agent. There's nothing wrong with that. Shout out to the guys and girls that are. But now with sports betting, and as you said, as, as a tech startup, right? Like we're mostly just a bunch of tech companies that are doing some really cool stuff in a really cool industry. And I remember my first uh, my first meeting when I was at Caesars, and we were just talking about this was the national championship game, uh, NCAA national championship game from a couple years ago. It was like, yeah, we really need Baylor tonight because most of the money's on Gonzaga. And I was just like, shit. So this is this is my career now. Like literally talking about how we need the underdog to win. Like that's a pretty cool opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm extremely, extremely grateful for it. And I'm sure you are. So yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit about WagerWire, what you guys are doing in the betting space, how you're changing it up a little bit. 
Awesome. No, that's a cool story too of your of your past in the industry too. Um, yeah. So WagerWire is a marketplace for sports bets, and what we're doing is bringing this concept that you know exists in a lot of other other industries of a secondary market of being able to sell your property, sell your asset to another person on the other side of the equation, uh, and we're bringing that to the sports betting industry. And so this our system will allow people to sell their bet before the end of the game, before the end of the season. Uh, you can do really interesting things once you have that kind of new optionality unlocked where, you know, you might play some futures at the beginning of the NFL year uh, on a handful of teams and then manage those throughout the season. And you could, you know, see see your team go on a hot streak, sell that, get, sell half of that ticket, get your initial buy-in back and have all the rest of the upside risk-free. Um, and so it's all about this kind of like new optionality that we're trying to bring for the users. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a better way to hedge your bets on, is one way to think about it. Like, you know, you don't have to put additional capital up on the other side. You can instead sell your bet or sell part of your bet and manage it that way. But I also think it's like a new way to kind of speculate, a new way to engage, a new way to play the game where now you're trying to buy low and sell high on bets. You're just trying to ride momentum on certain teams or, or, or in certain games. And maybe you don't even want to hold the bet to the end. You actually place it in the beginning, like expecting to sell it at some point. Uh, and that's kind of the mentality that we're trying to drive here. It's a little bit of the, um, you know, the StockX mentality or the StubHub of like you're flipping your bet, you're flipping your tickets, you're flipping your Jordans on StockX. Maybe you've got a Coinbase account and you've got a Robinhood account. Like we think WagerWire fits right in there into that same kind of user uh, experience and, and should be right next to your phone, right next to those apps on your phone too, where now you can be kind of uh, treating your bets like assets too. I love that. And that's exactly what they are, right? You listen to or talk to any uh, professional sports better, they'll pretty much tell you it's a portfolio, right? Especially when you're talking about futures. That's the word that they use. I was in finance for a little bit. You were in finance for a lot of it. And we'll get to that in a minute here. But I think it's mm-hmm. such a cool concept. And, and I've heard this a little bit in the industry. I, you know, this is not the first time I've heard about this type of concept, but it seems like you guys are doing it in a slightly different way, which I think is pretty cool. And I think that the opportunity is huge, right? With so many more states legalizing, right? We just saw Massachusetts legalized the other day. Uh, Ohio is going to be fully online in in a couple months here. Kansas is going to be coming up here in a couple months. Like the opportunity is now, I think, 36 states deep plus D.C., there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of lot of cool things going on, and specifically with futures bets, like I love betting futures. It is so much fun. Uh, now I don't put too many dollars on them, as I might have told you before. But at the same time, like, hey, if there's a way that you can bet, you know, I think I have the Ravens preseason to win the Super Bowl, twenty to one. All right. Well, what happens if they have the best record in the NFL week eleven? Maybe I want to get off that. Maybe there's an opportunity there. So I guess where does this idea come from? Was it was it an awesome futures bet you had that lost, but you wish you were able to sell on? Like, where does the idea from WagerWire come from? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, you're definitely right about the like idea with the Ravens bet there, where you could be, you know, maybe you don't necessarily think they're going to win at all, but you think they could have start they could start hot, and then you have an asset that's kind of in the money, and you can and you have optionality to do with it. Uh, I do think that's a great use case. Actually, the origin I, for, of the idea was actually not a, around a future. It was actually more about wanting to buy into a friend's bet and trying to understand how that could work and to try to ride a bet together. So I was sitting on the couch, as, as most good business ideas do. It started on a couch with my friends, uh, and we were Couple watching beers, maybe? maybe, maybe. This was probably back in uh, 2018, maybe 2019. Uh, I think it was just before Paspa, actually, so it was probably 2018. 
and we're watching, uh, you know, an NFL game, and I had placed a bet on the line at minus three before it started. My friend comes in, who's now my co-founder, Travis Geiger, uh, comes into the room halfway through the first quarter. The line had already moved to minus seven because, you know, the Packers had jumped out to a lead. Uh, but he didn't want to bet minus seven. He didn't want to take the live line. He wanted to get in on the original bet that I had so we could kind of ride it together. And that that was actually the genesis moment of, you know, hey, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a way where we could buy into each other's bets and there could be a marketplace, a secondary market for bets. And we really just start, you know, pulling on that string and start to think about it. And then, you know, Paspa gets overturned not far after that. And at that point, we really started putting some more serious thought into it and actually kind of putting a, a little bit of a business plan idea around it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really how it started, actually. It was more from like the social side, which I think we haven't talked about yet, but I think that's a big use case for us too, is, you know, we're trying to drive this socialization of sports betting a little bit more. Um, you know, a lot of the sports betting experience is you versus the sports book. It's a very like one versus the book kind of mentality. And, uh, but at the end of the day, like we're watching sports together with our friends We're we're doing that. It's like, it's an entertainment value, like we said in the beginning. So, um, you know, we think that our system can actually bring a lot of that social aspect to it as well. Yeah. And I think the social aspect goes even a little bit further than that, right? Like, as you said, you're sitting on the couch with your friends. You don't want to be the asshole that's on the other side, right? I hate being that guy because then you can't say anything because you got five friends in a room and four of them are riding the same bet. And you're like, actually, I had, I had the plus three, not the minus three. Sorry, guys. So you, I mean, you know, everyone loves a good heel every once in a while, but you don't want to ever be that guy. So I would even go a step further and saying it's kind of one versus many. Right. It's that book mm-hmm. versus everybody else. It's that, hey, we're going to take down the big guy, David versus a lot of Davids versus Goliath. And I think that the social yeah. aspect of it is really what's driving so much of the sports betting industry where, you know, hashtag gambling Twitter, go sit on there for, you know, a, a Sunday on, a, you know, one o'clock on a Sunday for, for the NFL games. It gets pretty crazy. A lot of people are doing mm-hmm. a lot of things and it's a lot of fun. Right. And it's that that aspect sure. that we all can get in on it together because. It's uh, it's always interesting, right? You feel worse about the bet that you didn't place than placing the bet and losing, right? You kind of have that FOMO aspect to it. And I think the social right. aspect is going to be fun. And as you said, you guys give an opportunity, right? Maybe I get that Ravens bet. My buddy doesn't. Well, halfway through the season, hey, man, you know, you know, the odds are now X. Why don't you pay me Y and we can get it on together? So I think that there's a lot yeah. of cool opportunity. I guess specifically what makes you guys different and what are you doing differently than some of your competitors who have been doing this thing for you know a, a few years now especially out in vegas yeah no for sure for sure i mean look i think we um we actually have a lot of respect and admiration for what those guys are doing because they're kind of paving the way for this concept and evangelizing it out there and getting it into the public consciousness of you know now you can sell your bet uh what we're doing differently is that we're really treating this as a b2b tech play at the end of the day and we are bringing this solution to the sportsbook operators, we're going to be we're partnering with sportsbook operators. Our system is actually a, an integrated solution where we will be plugging in with operators and the platforms that they run on, so that you can do real time trading of online and mobile bets and actually have you know settlement of those trades into your sportsbook account. So um, that kind of sets us apart. We realize. And that was also an evolution of the idea. Like I, when we first had the idea, it was very much for this. Um, kind of peer-to-peer marketplace. And then we, we realized that although it is a cool solution for the users, obviously, that's where this all starts, um, we're also helping to solve problems for sports books in this industry. And there, like, there are some big challenges that the books are running into right now 
that I'm sure you're aware of is, you know, customer acquisition costs are kind of out of control right now. They've been doing these crazy sign-up bonuses when they start in every state. Like, I think when New York went legal, they were doing $3,000 deposit matches. Caesars, uh, but then there's no... Yeah, yeah. And then, but there's not really any loyalty to, from the user's perspective. A lot of times they just bonus hop to the next place as soon as they kind of use up the free cash. So by plugging in WagerWire and also by using our actual plug-in version where a sportsbook could have bet trading functionality right in their app, um, this is a way for them to kind of differentiate their product, try to innovate and try something new and bring a new way to engage and interact with their, with their user base uh, to the market. And then we're also part of their like customer acquisition funnel to some extent too, where, you know, if, if I want to buy your bet and, you know, you, you use that Caesar example, like if it's, if it's a Caesar's bet, then the person is going to have to sign up for a Caesar's account if they don't have one already. Mm -hmm. So both the buyer and the seller have to have a sports book account. And so we are bringing people, you know, new users into the ecosystem as well. And it's kind of like a unique way to get people engaged and, and brought in. I think that's an awesome way of thinking about it because, yeah, the sports books are having problems, right? I mean, they're going to be fine. They're casino companies, guys. Let's not cry over a sports book losing <laughs> money. Uh, but at the same time, no, I think that's it's a really interesting way of thinking about it because here I was sitting assuming that this was more of a B2C product where you guys would have your you, – you would be eBay, right? Like, go, back and, to go back to your original – um, you know, your original business you started, you would be the eBay and people could do what they wanted. You guys grab a commission and it's good to go. I think this is a cooler way of going about it because now you're really plugged in, right? Now you, now there's no legal bullshit you have to go through because that was one of my questions too. Like, well, what if you're mm -hmm. not in a legal state? Then do you have to be? And now if it's just straight through Caesars, DraftKings, FanDuel, whomever, you're going to have to be on that app. There's going to be a secondary market. I assume DraftKings would be the most into this potential idea because they're always looking for new things. So you don't have to shake your head, blink once, blink twice, whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, I think like that's a, a really cool way of going about it and is going to really fix some of those problems. I guess, what have you guys seen so far? I know you're not, you're not live yet, correct? That's right. That's right. And yeah. I would just jump in here too, because like we have both, we really are, we're a B2B to C is one way to think of us. We okay. are going to have wagerwire.com and okay. you can already go to our website and kind of sign up for the wait list. Uh, we're going to have on wagerwire, there's going to be bets from all of our partners trading. It'll be kind of like the aggregated marketplace. Then if you go to the in sports book side of the house, you're just going to have bets from that book kind of trading on the internal Makes marketplace. Sense. But it's an interconnected, it's one marketplace engine that kind of that powers mm -hmm. both. So if you're in your favorite sportsbook app and you post your bet for sale from within there, it'll also pop up and be available to buy on the WagerWire side. Um, and that's where I think we drive the most value for both users as well as for the books. I think, um, you know, if you love your sportsbook experience and you just want to stick to your book, then by all means, now you can have this functionality inside of that app. If you want to kind of play around and have more advanced features and analytics and portfolio tracking and this kind of stuff going on, you would head over to the WagerWire side and you could, you know, tap into some of those more advanced features. You could also buy uh, bets from other sports books on there. It's going to be kind of like the aggregated side of the house. Very cool. Yeah, I think that that also makes sense, giving that opportunity to and, and again, that then leads back into the user acquisition, right? Someone sees that the, all these bets are over on one place. It's going to be an easy funnel for you to get a couple bucks to the affiliate marketing revenue that, hey, they go right over there. I run the affiliate program at Profit Exchange, so pretty familiar with mm -hmm. some of the stuff, which I think is fun. Um, I'm yeah. curious why 
why you guys? I know you said your your founding team. You guys have been friends for just a couple years now. You guys, I know there's obviously you've done some incredible stuff. I know you have some data wizards on your team as well. What is it about the three of you? If if there's more, I apologize. That you believe you're the three people to really be able to solve this problem for such a such a new budding industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. So we, it's the three co-founders: myself, Travis Geiger, and Guy Doten. Uh, like you said, I think we just all bring a really unique skill set to the table here. Um, so we were all UCLA buddies going going way back, uh, and have been you know friends ever since. And really, you know, I come from the business side and the finance side, and I'm kind of overseeing all of our business development efforts, our fundraising, kind of op, you know operations and business. I kind of I wear a lot of hats, obviously. Travis is our creative mind. He was a director by trade, actually. Uh, you know, worked in Hollywood for ten years on some really cool projects. And uh, he's basically overseeing our marketing and our branding and our user experience. And then Guy brings the uh, sports data and data science and product uh, experience. And he's worked in the industry actually before. You know, he's worked at Stats LLC. He worked at Gum Gum Sports. So um, basically with that combination, <clears throat> we think that we're really well positioned to, to take this to the next level. Uh, I think, you know, what... What this idea has that's kind of unique about it is it has like a natural virality to it. You know, you see these bets that are, uh, you know, a 10 leg parlay that's eight legs through and someone will tweet about it. And then all of a sudden it gets picked up just into kind of like the normal news flow of sports. And there'll be an ESPN chalk article or it'll get picked up in Action Network or whatever it is. So we're really poised to just kind of like tap into this natural virality that the that the idea has but then with the distribution of going with the sportsbook operators, I think that combination is what really uh, you know, set this apart. Yeah, I think you guys are hitting this from many different angles. Uh, it's super cool to have a Hollywood director on your staff. Just to say that alone is cool, right? But like the actual use of that, I think, is, is really important when it comes to, to branding and understanding and marketing. As long as his brain works the way it sounds like it does, I think that's a, a really interesting person to have on the staff. Uh, for that that specific ability alone, which is just super cool. Plus, he probably also knows a bunch of rich people. So maybe you guys, you know, get a couple extra bucks funding. Who the hell cares, right? Not a big deal. Um, and and I think so. I do. I have a million different questions I want to ask. I'll start with. We'll start with you. Then I want to get to the data aspect of what you guys are doing because I saw some really cool things in your website. But as you said, you you have a background in finance. You worked at PNC for a couple minutes, made it up to VP by oh I don't know twenty six. Not a big deal. Like where. Why it sounds like you were I don't know don't want to put my hand in another man's pocket it sounds like you're doing pretty good for yourself right having a good time doing work it sounds like you might have liked why now why this time why leave something comfortable and cushy to go start a little little tech company out there and uh, out there in the valley you know it's a good question and one that uh, my parents certainly asked oh, uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah but. Uh, no, but I think I think it really came down to passion. I mean, look, PNC was a great place to work. I can't, I started there right after school. Um, it's a really cool place to go. You know, it's not quite the like cutthroat world of like the Wall Street investment banking world, but you get to see so many different industries. What I was doing there was basically, um, you know, senior secured loans for private equity buyouts. So we would have a lot of private equity clients. They would be going around buying companies. Uh, in like the middle market. So these are, you know, usually industrial companies, things like that, manufacturers. Uh, but then also we had a tech side of the house as well that would do like SaaS based technology companies. 
And then we would, you know, the sport, the sponsor would be buying the company and we would put up, put up the debt for that. And we would have to structure it all. We would do proposals to them for, uh, you know, the, the interest rates that we can do and the closing fees. And it was like a very, it was a very competitive process to win these deals. Um, and then we would also then like, once we got a deal in the, in the pipeline, I would be overseeing the entire process till it closes where you're looking over all these different work streams uh, of the, you know, the due diligence that we're doing, the underwriting, all of this, and then ultimately, you know, present that to a committee to, to get the investment committee to say yes. Uh, and actually, it, it, it was surprisingly uh, comparable to like kind of what the day to day of a, C, of a CEO is really like you're overseeing all these different work streams and, uh, you know, working towards a common goal and then just kind of making sure that everything's on track and and then ultimately, you know, going out and fundraising and doing things like that. So uh, it was great experience actually for, for the pivot that I ended up making. Um, at the time, I just kind of knew, like the, I, when I actually left PNC was late 2019, so kind of right before COVID hit actually. But at the time, I just kind of knew that if I didn't take the leap, this would never happen and someone else would do it. Um, and I would be kicking myself for the rest of my life if I didn't give it a shot at least. So, uh, so that was really the motivation ultimately. I mean, it was, it was a bit of a leap, you know, I had to basically go, uh, two plus years without a paycheck and, and kind of run on the savings. And, you know, it was a little bit of a departure of the lifestyle I had, I had gotten used to as well from, uh, from working in banking. So, uh, definitely a decision I didn't take lightly, but I also just knew that it was this kind of, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to, to give it a go. Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, if you kick that much ass at your job, I'm sure you'll have an opportunity to get one again, doing the exact same thing. So why not, right? As you said, you were young, Mm -hmm. you didn't have kids, probably no wife at the time, I'm assuming. Why not? The the, the opportunities there, take it, run with it. And yeah, Passbook just got repealed. So all these little companies are going to be popping up in the betting space. And thankfully, you guys are one of them because you're doing some pretty cool stuff. So I think like what are you you alluded to it a little bit but I'd love to dive a little bit deeper like what are what are some of the things that you learned from I guess finance and I guess your role specifically that you've been able to kind of pull over like what are some of those lessons what are some of those things that you learned I, again you said some of them but I'd like to go a little deeper yeah. on what you learned over there that you were able to that surprisingly you found out are are very applicable to what you're doing over here at a tech startup yeah, I think the biggest thing was just being able to, uh, you know, stay very organized across a lot of different work streams that are going on and just keep that all, you know, in your head straight and then dealing with each of the teams individually um, and being able to also manage people. You know, I think that's a big part of this. Like, at, you know, when you first start a startup, you're doing everything right. The three founders were wearing every hat. We're doing everything. We're, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out the legal side. We're trying to figure out the business side. We're doing the business development, all this stuff. But now we've gone kind of like one stage further where we do have a team around us. You know, we're up to 11 people on the team and it becomes like a stage of just, you know, empowering the people that are around you to do the best job that they can. Um, and And a big part of that is, you know, kind of trusting them to be able to do what they're doing and not micromanage, but then like be able to oversee all of this and make sure that we're all kind of converging on the, on a common goal together. So I'd say that's probably like the biggest skill set. It was more of like a, qualitative skill set even than like the quantitative although 
being able to run a financial projection and a cash flow statement and that type of stuff obviously is kind of table stakes too, to some degree. Yes, that's just very important, especially when you're trying to get funding. I'm sure those guys mm-hmm. want to know exactly all those dollars and cents. So I think that's that's pretty cool, man. I think it's really important that people, one thing I always love to talk about is people that come in kind of through the side into this industry, right? If you don't start in this industry, well, how'd you get here? And I think you have a very interesting story and a very unique way of going about it. Obviously, starting your own company is not going to be for everybody, but understanding what people can take from their previous life, from their previous jobs, how they're able to apply it in creative and interesting ways is going to get more people into this industry. And I want to do that as much as possible. I have a book, Winning in Sports Business. It's free. It's down in the show notes. Go check it out if anyone is there uh, on how to get a job in sports. So I think, you know, obviously love your story. And I think that's a pretty important one to go about it. Uh, back to the company a little bit. We were talking about uh, your one co-founder who's a data wizard. I think that's really interesting. I was looking at the website, and you guys are going to give those essentially, and, and please just make sure I'm saying everything correctly and you correct anything I, uh, that I'm wrong on. You guys are going to give, hey, this this pro, uh, this um, this future is probably worth this now, and this is how much you should probably sell it for, and this is what the expected EV on something like this is at this point. How do you guys come up with those numbers? How do you how do you look at those markets and say, this is what we think it is, this is what we think the asking price should be? Well, if someone wants to pay more, that's more willing. If no one's willing to pay that, they're going to pay less. It's a free market, right? But like, how do you guys come up with those numbers to give the users on the, the platform just all the necessary information to be equipped to actually make the best decisions for them yep yeah so we do have yeah we're, we're gonna run suggested prices so when a seller wants to post their bet for sale we'll we'll give them a suggested price of what we think is a fair price that'll clear the market also on the flip side of that for the buyers we're giving every bet a deal score so when they're browsing the marketplace we'll kind of inform them whether this is a good offer uh compared to really what it is doing at the end of the day is comparing that to uh you know the probability of that event happening. Um, but you know, the easiest proxy for that is usually just the consensus odds line. Like you know, yeah. we're in a whole industry, we're in a whole industry of sports betting companies that are all working very hard to figure out what the line should be on certain events. So we can piggyback on their work and say, Hey, this is our starting point. You know, this is what the consensus odds are. Uh, you know, the Packers were, you know, maybe 10 to one at the start of the year. Now they're five to one. And if you know what that odds are now, you can kind of work backwards and crunch the numbers and say what you think a fair price would be for that bet. Now, there are a lot of other little nuances and stuff that get baked into it, into our kind of proprietary system there. But uh, fundamentally, it starts with that. If you if you know what the odds are for that bet now, today, then you can kind of work off of that and say and try to estimate what the what the price should be. Yeah, I think obviously odds are just probabilities and different numbers, right? We here in the United States use like the funkiest odd system. Now that's all we know, but uh, it's a little easier in other countries around the world, thankfully. So, uh, but I think it is—it's pretty darn cool, and I think that the opportunity for people to. Because no one wants to feel like they're getting scammed, right? Well, I had a one thousand—you know—I had a ten to one ticket. Now it's five to one. Does that mean I? I sell half of it? Is that how it works? Like, if you guys are there and able and capable of being able to show people exactly how it works and why it works, as you said, without all the secret sauce, I think that's just going to help the, the users be happier and, and be able to explain the, expand the platform even further. That's exactly right. I mean, that's what we look at this as, is really a tool to help inform the users. You know, what's interesting about our model is that we don't really have a horse in the race. We don't care whether, whether the bet wins or loses. We're not a sports book ourselves. We're not like underwriting the risk or anything like that. So we really are here to just help you find a fair price and to have a buyer and a seller that can meet and find a price that is appealing to both of them. And so that's where we're 
you know, that's our focus with that. It's not like something, you know, where we're trying to persuade you to do one thing or the other, because at the end of the day, we just want transactions to go through. We want sellers to have good experiences. We want buyers to have good experiences. And, you know, I think the suggested prices and the deal scores are a big part of that. And then we're, you know, we're working on some uh, other features too that I think could be some pretty, pretty cool things that we should be um, being able to roll out. Like some things like, you know, like a limit order where you could say, you know, if this bet gets to this price, then I would pull the trigger. And being able to put in some things like that um, allow you to also get a little more creative and, and, and do other things, have more optionality as a buyer or seller too. That would be pretty darn cool, uh, especially as a seller to that or as a buyer. Like seeing that might be a little different, but like as a seller, it's like, yeah, like if, if this ever gets to X, like let's sell it. And I think that could be, again, just like a cool, interesting way for people to take advantage of this industry because it's only going to get more interesting, right? There's only going to be cooler mm-hmm. companies and different things that pop up that allow users to take advantage of the thing that they love most, which is watching sports and, and getting entertainment out of it. Now, have a have a couple bucks in the game. Why not, right? Right, and yeah, and we don't want to lose sight of that. Like ultimately, people are here because they love sports. They love to bet on sports, and so we think that this is just a more engaging way to get involved. You know, your future bet that you know normally you just kind of set it at the start of the year and you forget about it. Now it's something that you really can pay attention to, and you can log in and see whether your bets are up or down today. And that's kind of like a new way to think about sports betting. Um, and then I also think, you know, there's no reason you couldn't sell your bet at halftime and buy it back in the third quarter and actually use this system like during the game too. You know, I'm a huge Warriors fan and in that finals uh, series, like we would have these crazy third quarter runs every time. So if you were a Celtics better, you could sell your bet at halftime and then buy it back at the end of the third and dodge that brutal third quarter that's always coming, <laughs> you yeah. know, so. And get, it and just get kind better of odds, like, right? That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, like you can yeah. sell it, sell it at a high, buy it a low. That's what we're trying to do, right? And then you, the opportunity mm-hmm. is even bigger. I actually had Warriors to win the championship preseason. Uh, shout out to my man hey. Ghost for uh, for feeding me that one. So I made a couple bucks on that. So thank you uh, for all that you did, Zach, and helping the helping my bet cash. So I want to say thank Very you for nice. that one. But Very nice. Yeah, that I was probably it, decent odds. That was probably decent odds uh, at that time. Plus thirteen hundred. Yeah, plus thirteen hundred yeah. at the time. So yeah, I'm not angry about it. I probably could have sold it for a couple bucks. That's all. That's I, w- I wouldn't. I had to hold it on. My buddy told me about it. I would have felt like an ass if I sold it. But it, the option was there now that I know, and I think that that part's pretty interesting. Um, so you brought something up, and now I'm kind of curious. You're not a sports book, so you don't make money on any of these bets. How do you guys make money though? Because the more you guys got to make money to stay in business, right? Last I heard. Yeah, you know, although a lot of tech companies tried tried not doing that, and so yes. and, and it worked for a while. Although recently they've been getting beat up for that. Uh, no, we do have a revenue model. Our, you know, we are going to be charging a transaction fee on every trade. Uh, you know, that will be baked right into the price. So the price you see on the site is the price you pay. We're not going to you know hide a fee behind anything like that. Uh, so there's a small transactional piece to this, and then you hit on it before where we're an affiliate to our sportsbook partners too. So when we're bringing new users into the sports books, then we can get that affiliate referral fee. Um, and so that's a big part of our, of our revenue model too. Very cool. Yeah, that's, uh, that could definitely be very helpful. I think the commission or aspect of it is, again, just going back to eBay, man. 12-year-old Zach would be so proud, man. I'm sure he would be so proud of what you've been able to do and how you've been able to take this model of buying and selling something. He's like, well, let's just do it on the grandest possible scale in the coolest industry in the world. So I think that part is uh, mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I guess, um, so we talked a little bit about the, the legality around, you guys would be working with just regulated books and regulated markets. Um, how does it work for you guys, though? 
do you need sportsbook licensing in these states? Are you guys just like a third party? Like, I'm just kind of curious because this is an industry I'm very interested in. Like, how does that work for you guys? Like, what are you considered in the eyes of the NJDGE, let's say? No, yeah, good question. Good question. So we're not considered a sports book because of kind of what I said before. We're not creating new risk. We're not underwriting that risk. We don't have a, you know, we don't care whether the bets win or lose. Uh, but we are a supplier to the sports books, right? We are integrating to their software. So the way, we, the way we're viewed is either as a vendor or a supplier, depending on the state, kind of, uh, you know, they have different terminologies and different levels. But basically, we do have to get licensing in every state. It's just much easier to get than a sports book license. Um, but there is, you know, product testing that goes along with that of testing the integrations. Like we do have to kind of go through the normal hoops, um, of what, of what a technology provider would need to do. Um, and we've, we have been, you know, in talks with the DGE, we're moving through their process right now, actually. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been going pretty well and, uh, I've become kind of like a, a little de facto expert of the, the regulatory uh, situation in the States just by necessity, really. But uh, we think that if, we, you know, as we set precedent in New Jersey, that, you know, a lot of the other states will, will follow, too. That is uh, that is normally the case. We did it first. We did it best, uh, and we're still doing it over here in New Jersey. So always, uh, always love seeing that man. But Zach, this is super cool. I think the opportunity is really interesting. I think again, this industry is just going to have so many awesome companies, and I think yours is one of them. So obviously, rooting very hard for you guys. Uh, where can people learn more? Where can they sign up for that waiting list? Where can they follow you guys on all the socials and everything? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, no, and I appreciate appreciate your enthusiasm for what we're building here. Yeah, we're really excited to get this to get this out to market. So yeah, users can go to wagerwire.com and they can sign up for the waitlist there to get notified when we're when we're rolling it out. Uh, also on social, we you know we're at wagerwire on Twitter. That's our main one, and we're going to be uh, spinning up our our Instagram and TikTok as well at, at the same handles. Uh, and then personally, you could find me, you know, Zach Doctor. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm very accessible on LinkedIn. Anyone who wants to kind of talk more, hear the story, anything like that, uh, that's probably the best place they could uh, they could look me up. I love it, man. That's awesome. I'll make sure everything's in the show notes for everyone that they can go check it out. But Zach, this has been absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Time is the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you and everybody listening for giving me a little bit of theirs. But Zach, man, appreciate it. Kudos, congratulations, and good luck with everything, dude. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Love it. No problem, man. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Yeah.